No, that was not a mistake. I know that was January series, uh, but we had a wonderful time in February in the Song of Songs. How many of you, that was your first time to ever hear preaching in the Song of Songs? Many of you. Good. It was fun, wasn't it? I was a little nervous getting into ancient Israelite love poetry, but it seemed like a good thing to do during the month of February. But today, we're going back to January. We're going to add one more week in. And so this is our one small step spinoff, because during that season of February, that month of February, I traveled to our denominational um, meeting and training on evangelism and discipleship. Evangelism, remember we said way back, is, is sharing what Jesus is doing in your life now, today. It is present. Yes, it can include what Christ has done for you in the past, but it should include the good news today of what God is doing. And, and there was so much good that happened during that time that I wanted to come back and just do a little spin-off of this series that we did uh, back in January. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to open them to the Gospel according to Mark. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there's one in the seat back in front of you. Feel free to use that. If you don't have a Bible, take it home with you. That's our gift to you. We want everyone to have one. And you can get your Bible however you choose to do that. Paper version, electronic version, app version, uh, whatever you need. Uh, go ahead and turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, beginning at verse 14. And I'm going to ask everyone to stand in honor of the reading of the Gospel. The good news about Jesus Christ according to Mark. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were immediately overcome with awe and they ran forward to greet him. He asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I ask your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do so. He answered them, You faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me. I'm going to pause right here in the reading, okay? Can I do that for just a second? Because this seems really strange to have in Jesus' teaching. You know, this one who's loving and merciful, uh, kind of complaining a little bit. I want you to know that put up with you, the Greek word there is actually move someone by carrying them. Okay? To move someone from one place to the other by carrying them. Um, This is Family Sunday, so many of you have your kids with you. And there's that place, that moment in every kid's life where they remember that you have legs that can carry them, although they have two working legs and they're very heavy. And and you get to this point, do, don't you? Like, well, how much longer am I going to carry them? Or if you're getting like my kid's age, how long am I going to be able to carry them before they start carrying me? So it's, it's more in this context of moving someone by carrying them. And Jesus is saying, when it comes to faith and what we're talking about, what the kingdom of God is able, Jesus has been carrying His disciples. He has been moving them like children uh, with His faith. He has been doing this. And He is saying, it's getting time for you to use your own legs. 
And this is going to be a good thing. So let's, let's go on. Verse 20. And they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you are able... All things can be done for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe! Help my unbelief! When Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. And he was able to stand. When he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, this kind can only come out through prayer. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for the good news, the gospel. We pray We pray that we would hear your Spirit speaking to us today. To challenge us, yes. To remind us of the good news. And to help us to stand on the legs of faith that you have created for us. To go and to speak the good news to those around us. We ask this in your name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. So, um... Let's just go ahead and put that on the screen. Strange passage to talk about evangelism, right? Uh, it is strange. Uh, this is uh, an ancient passage. Remember, it's an ancient book. Uh, if you read about this issue, it sounds a lot like epilepsy. And there are those scholars who would say, maybe this boy was uh, uh, really struggling or suffering from epilepsy. And so if that's what you need to kind of engage in the story, that's okay. The message is still going to come through. But in his day and age, they would have seen this as a, an unclean spirit. Not a demon per se, but a, an unclean spirit that prevented something from taking place in this boy's life. And so, uh, I want us to lean in and see what this has to say to you and to me, and what it has said to me about our call to share what Christ is doing right now in our lives. And so I want us to look at this, this very, very strange passage. The first thing that you have to understand about the miracles of Jesus, that the miracles of Jesus are not meant to impress you. The miracles of Jesus are meant to instruct you. They are meant to teach you something. They are teaching tools. And too often we get caught up in all the wonder of it, of it all. We get caught up in the, in the wonderful, miraculous thing that happened. We, we are just so impressed. But the Gospels show us that the crowds that followed Him because they were impressed fell away over time when the true teachings of Jesus about God's suffering love began to come to the front. The crowds fell away. Why? Because they were impressed instead of taught like they were supposed to be by these miracles. All the miracles of Jesus are meant to teach you something, not to just impress you. Okay? Now, please, I'm not saying they're not impressive. 
I think if, if I were in the presence of someone who was in the middle of an epileptic seizure and someone commanded it to go away and it went away and the person got up, I'd be pretty impressed. You? Yeah, I, I would. But there's something more, more deep than just the impression. It is meant to teach us something. And so, let's find out what Jesus was trying to instruct His disciples and the crowds through the healing of this boy. So the first thing that we come to is that we have the problem. Now, this is Transfiguration Sunday. This is a Sunday that the church remembers when Jesus was transfigured on the top of a mountain. If you want to, if you don't know that story, just back up a few pages and you can read it. It was meant to show that Jesus uh, was the fulfillment of both the law and the prophets of, of Judaism. That they pointed to Jesus, that Jesus was them, and was instructing the disciples again, another important miracle, that Jesus was the one to be listened to. And now they are moving down off the mountain and they are coming back and there's a crowd that is gathered. And someone uh, sees a lot of arguing. And so Jesus does what any uh, teacher would do um, in a classroom. What are you arguing about? <laughs> and they find out that this is the problem. And we see that that father comes forward and he is more than willing to talk about it. Teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. That's a very key point of this problem that is there. He starts with what's most important. It makes him unable to speak. Then he goes through and develops it more fully on all the things that were going on in this child's body and what was happening, what the Spirit was doing. But it makes him unable to speak. And I want to say that for us as a church, that this sometimes is the issue for us. That in our culture, in our day and age, in our world, for whatever reason, we can spend a lot of time pointing fingers. It's unnecessary. What we need to do is talk about the problem. And the problem is that we are either unable or unwilling to speak the good news. And so just like this father who uh, is bringing his son because his son is unable to speak and all the things that go along with that being unable to speak in that affliction that this boy was suffering with, I sometimes bring you all in my times of prayer. And I want to say, why are we unable to speak, oh God? And, I, and just like the father, I, I, uh, I keep saying, uh, that's a big if. I have all these big ifs. Well, if only I would just preach better. Or if only I could just get the right combination of music. You know, we got to put one hymn in there for those who like that. And if I could put this chorus in here for this, then that would help it. And people would just engage in something like this. Or if, if only, if only their hearts would be, you know, just something would happen. If, 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 if. Just like the Father who's saying, if I can bring to Jesus in that moment, if I could bring my son to his disciples, I know they healed before, I, maybe, I could, maybe they can do it again. If, if, and even we see when Jesus is there and talking about this issue, the Father is saying, if you can do something, have mercy on us. Well, Jesus said to this guy, and again, it sounds a little harsh. I've translated it here into the message translation, and I love the way it says it. Jesus said, if 
There are no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. No sooner were the words out of His mouth and the Father cried, than I believe, help me with my doubts. The Father took this moment for precision honesty. Now that, that may, may throw you, because we, we like to throw around this phrase, well, just be honest. And really, sometimes when we say just be honest can lead to a lot more beating around the bush, right? Well, it's hard. But in this instance, in this moment, there is precision honesty right down to the core that here is where I am. I have this problem. My son cannot speak. I have this thing. My church seems unable to speak. And so I'm coming to you because I believe that you can do anything, but I have my doubts as well. And I need help with my doubts. I know that you can do anything, but I need rescuing in my doubts. And I want you to know, I want you to know that this passage convicted me as your pastor. As I went away to a conference to learn all these techniques about different things and those, uh, you know, that will help in this issue and, and those kinds of things, I read this passage and I said, I am that father. I have a lot of ifs. We've been together ten years. So I hope it's okay for me to say I bring you all and I carry you around with me. And I have those ifs that I talk to God about. If, if, why can't we speak? If, if, if only, if only. And I felt convicted at this moment. As Jesus was saying to me, If, in the kingdom, anything is possible. And I felt like I had to be honest like this father to say, okay, I believe that you can do anything. But you're going to have to help me with my doubts. That's where it's going to have to start. With my doubts about my abilities, my doubts about who our church is, my doubts about the the culture surrounding us, my doubts about all those things. I, I need your help with that. That's what I need. But in all of that, my hope and my longing, like that father who just wanted his boy to be able to speak, my longing, my hope is that you, my church, would learn how to speak, would be set free to speak the good news of the God who loves and forgives and is merciful and is moving into our world with His transforming grace. So we can't. So Jesus does what? He responds to that precision honesty with precision. Uh, he, re- he responds to that right away with precision healing. I want you to open your Bibles because I want you to see the specific way that Jesus says this. He says, "You spirit." This is uh, verse twenty-five. You spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing. So Jesus says, okay, yeah, Father, you have said that uh, your boy cannot speak. And this is maybe the instruction for us as the church. Cannot speak. But there is a connection between speaking and what you hear. And you, we need to be able to hear what God is saying in order to speak that good news out into the world. 
We are called to this. We are called for that precision honesty, that incisive right to the moment honesty, and Jesus will respond with that right in that place, right in that specific area. He will respond with very specific healing and take it even deeper than you were thinking about. That there is a connection between you hearing and you being able to speak. And this boy was helped. He said to them, so why can't we do this? I just got thinking about it at the end of our, at the end of pulling all this together. Why can't we do this? Just like the disciples. So why couldn't we do this? They had done it in the past. If you look back a few, few chapters, you will see that they, Jesus had sent them out and they had healed and they had cast out spirits and they had uh, healed people and they had prayed for people and all these types of things had happened. Now they're kind of flabbergasted. Why can't we do this? Why won't the, the programs work? Why won't the systems work? Why won't the, the, all the training in the world, why won't it work? Why won't the right song work? Why won't the right sermon work or the right preacher work? Why won't those things work? Well, Jesus' answer is our answer today. That this requires prayer. This type of healing requires prayer. To pull in a philosopher, Soren Kierkegaard, who says prayer changes the one who prays. It's not praying so that I can get something from God like some genie in a bottle, but it's the understanding that the one who prays is changed by the prayer. And even a philosopher could figure that out. We are called to be a place of prayer, and it is in the prayer that we are healed. So do you have trouble speaking the good news? I am going to give you a tool here in just a second. But it is something that has to be committed to and wrapped in prayer. Times of committing prayer. So do you have trouble speaking? Do you have trouble hearing from God? Prayer is your healing. I want you to know we meet every Sunday at 8.30 right here for prayer. Yes, we're praying about our goals that we believe God is calling us uh, towards over the next four years. But it is time of preparation for our hearts. It is time of praying and allowing that prayer to change who we are. And you are invited. And if you have young kids, it's okay. They can run through the sanctuary. We can still pray. And maybe our kids need to see us praying and see the change that happens there. Well, You should have been handed on your way in the door uh, something that looks like a bookmark that says one degree change. Kind of pulls all of what we have heard in this passage together. One degree of change. I think it pulls this scripture and is going to help us as we begin to see the healing that Jesus can do for us. So if you turn it over, you'll see honesty. What is my level of hope for people who don't know Jesus? What is my passion to try and help speak good news to them or live good news around them with your neighbors or with your colleagues at work or your your fellow students at your school? Whatever that may be, what is my level of hope? This is where the precision honesty comes in. One, I have no desire. All the way up to ten. I'm on fire. I'm passionate about this. I just can't help but share uh, this good news. Or I just can't help but be around people um, who don't know Jesus that I just want to love and be in genuine relationship with. You don't need to mark that. 
Because that's something that's going to change daily. I, I found it so helpful that when this guy was talking to us, he said, it's just about being honest. And he said, truthfully, pastors, some of you feel so terrible because you don't have the gift of evangelism. He said, the truth of the matter is, 3% of Christians have that, that spiritual gift. They feel comfortable in that. It's what God uses to just pull them in. So your goal is just to be honest. Where are you? At any given moment, where are you? I'm a, if you're at a one, be at a one for a second. Just be honest about it. Say, I'm actually at a one. I haven't thought about sharing good news with someone in a long time. I'm not even sure I have any non-Christian friends. It's okay. The prayer is then to ask God to move you one degree of change. Oh God, can you move me from one to a two? Can you give me some inkling? Can you show me one neighbor uh, that maybe I've just kind of pushed away that you're longing to share good news and maybe it's just pulling their uh, Kalamazoo Gazette out of the, the gutter and kind of drying it off and making sure it's on their porch for a few days. But can you move me from one to the other? If this is your gift and you're on a 10, that's okay. Pray to go to 11. I I can only fit 10 on a bookmark, okay? But it is about being radically honest and praying that healing will come to move me one degree of change. So you don't need to be sitting there sweating and fretting and gripping the pew. Oh my goodness, i got to move to a 10 by tomorrow. No. Let God... Work in you by you being honest and you asking God to move you one degree of change. Next are three, peop- three blank places. And as God sets somebody on your heart to write their name and to say, I want to pray for opportunity. As you're moving me one degree of change, I want to pray for an opportunity for that person now, this is not that you're going to, you know, go knock on their door with your family edition Bible and open up to, uh, you know, somewhere and start thumping them over the head with it. But that you will live this good news. That it might be in your kindness and your compassion. It might be in that moment that you just sense God wanting you to do something. In that moment. I had an opportunity just recently. I, I was excited and enthralled with a new snowblower. And I was going and I knew I had a full tank of gas. And man, that little snowthrower just pushed everything away. And it was so awesome. I was looking for other opportunities. And I have a neighbor across the street. And I know she has trouble removing the snow. I wasn't, trust me, I wasn't even thinking good news. I was just thinking, power tools. Munch more snow, get it out of the way. But so did her sidewalk, and I did did the the uh, the driveway, and you know, zipped on across and looked for more. I went all the way down my neighbor's sidewalk on that side and that side. She came over later on to thank. She asked about our church. She hasn't come yet. That's okay. But it was just that moment, that little tiny act, that opened up an opportunity for me to begin a relationship and to honestly just begin to share life. And let the Spirit give the words. Remember, the healing is both in our speaking and our hearing. To hear what God wants me to say to her and to do that. And to not let my stuff run forward. See, that's where we get to foaming at the mouth. We get rigid. 
we fall. This church has experienced that, hasn't it? I'm not talking physically. I'm talking in our systems and our stuff. We can get to the place where we just want to say what we should say, what we need to say, and it just comes across as foaming at the mouth, being rigid, falling on the ground. To our detriment and our harm. Today, Jesus wants us to be honest. Who are you going to be praying for? Where are you? Where is your passion? Are you ready to be radically honest and receive some radical healing, specifically your ears and your mouth? I believe, I believe that this is what we need. And you need to become accountable to somebody with this. Kids, take one of these home with you. Because you can do this too, kids. You can be talking about uh, who you want to share life with, share the life of Christ with. God may even ask you to say something nice to your friends or your teacher. You and mom and dad, when you're at dinner, talk about this. Where are you? What degree am I today? Who am I praying for? Because it's going to take passion and repetition to look and to see what God longs to do in us. A strange passage. Not so strange after all, is it? Has a lot to say. Where are you today? Are you willing to be honest? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, thank you for this very strange story. Please help us not to get lost in the sensationalism of it, but to hear your gentle, kind teaching of longing for us to stand on our own legs. I'm just amazed that this passage even ends with just the boy standing. It's as if you are asking us today, okay, you're standing up. Here it is. Now, are you going to speak? Are you going to hear? Are you going to live? In that radical honesty, you're going to listen to what I am going to say through you to those around you. So I pray for my brothers and my sisters and myself today that we as this local church body would hear the words of Jesus Christ prayed over us. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray in Your name and through Your authority that the Spirit that keeps this church from speaking and hearing would come out and never enter us again. Call us. Ground us in Your love and Your mercy. So much so that we begin step by step in our honesty to have You bring change one degree at a time. And may we become a church that is filled with passion to share the love and mercy of Christ with all we come in contact. Sometimes with our words and sometimes by our actions. But may we live the transformed life that knows that the Christ that was seen on the mountaintop is the Christ who rules and reigns through His redemptive love today in the present. And may we live in that moment filled with Your Spirit's grace.
for all around. Help us to look like you, Lord Jesus. Forgive us of the times that we've just foamed at the mouth. Forgive us for our rigidity. Forgive us for our failings. And call us to follow you. For where you lead, there we will find life. And so we ask all of these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. I hope you will have some dinner meetings around with your bookmarks. Uh, Do that this week. Uh, This is going to be a great time. But would you stand and receive the final blessing? And now, may you, my brothers and sisters, may you know the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. I pray that you would dare to be precisely honest with where you are. That you would enter into a time of prayer for others. And that in that time of prayer, you will find yourself changed. I pray this blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. Go in peace.